welcome back to another episode of Japan Rugby Weekly. I'm Doug the Translator, and this week we've got former Sunwolves legend Edward Quirk joining the show. He's just come back to Japan, so I can't wait to hear his story. Let's go! Welcome back everyone uh, to another episode of Japan Rugby Weekly. Like I said in the intro, we've got a Amazing guest, Mr. Sunwolves himself, uh, Ed Quirk. Uh, Quirky, thanks for joining me. Thanks, mate. A hell of an intro. I'm sort of interested to see how many times you practiced that previously uh, before we came on and or if you practiced that during the week in front of the mirror. But, mate, um, it's an honor to be on here, an oh, honorary guest. Oh, cheers, cheers. Um, I think that's the best response to an intro ever. So, uh, man, just hitting them you know, out of the park already. Uh, nice. <laughs> I uh, know you're back in uh, Japan now, but how is it? Mate, it's good. It's it's good. Uh, you know, I've come solo again, so obviously hard to, to leave the kids and, and the wife um, behind again. But, um, oh, look, it's it's good to be uh, to have a job at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's uh, it's always tough getting a gig and and the, the comms, you know, a lot more professional and stuff now. So, um, but look, I'm happy to be back. And it's sort of good that the world's opening up a little bit. And um, I'm in quarantine at the moment. In my apartment, I've only got a mattress. So, um, you know, you use your imagination there. Oh, um, and, uh, yeah, we're, uh, mate, Hiroshima looks like an awesome place. We've got a great view. And, um, yeah, I'm sort of excited to get out of quarantine and, um, and out and, you know, meet the team and see the uh, see the lay of the land. Yeah, nice. Because um, we played the mighty red uh, Ricky Lions a few times last year at Coke. But um, yeah, they. I think when we were playing them, they only had Japanese players and staff. But um, they had some pretty you know good quality uh, Japanese players. They all uh, played pretty hard. So uh, yeah, I think it's a great team you've gone to. But um, do you guys have a translator or anything, or is your Japanese good enough not to need one? Oh, my Japanese, I'm fluent at the moment. Um, now, nah, look, to be honest, uh, I should have, should have been a lot better with, you know, my language and uh, and learning and all that and sort of just got carried away with just living the life and, and learning uh, phrases and different things I needed to off the boys, um, yeah. either at the Sunnies or, or at Canon. So uh, there's no translator, but I think they're going to bring one in for Thursday night training and Saturday games. So, oh, nice. um, you know, I kind of enjoy the sink or swim um scenarios usually in life so i think it's just a matter of one of those scenarios yeah yeah nice um because i think in tokyo you can pretty much get by without japanese uh there's a lot of like english uh, signs and you know menus and stuff but when you get out a bit further like hiroshima is a pretty big city but um i think you know it'd be a lot more japanese you'd be using in everyday life so uh yeah can't wait to hear stories about that in a few months time eh? yeah mate i um I guarantee I'm going to be having a couple of couple of shitters, definitely. <laughs> um, but have you ever, like, uh, you know, travelled Hiroshima or anything? Do you know much about the place? Yeah, so uh, I guess you came here for a holiday ages ago. I don't even know how many. It might have been 2013 maybe, and um, we actually came down and stayed in the city and, um, you know, sort of did the uh, the peace memorial and, and had a bit of a look around and... And it was a real cool little city and it was a little bit, you know, quieter and a little bit different to, you know, the Osakas and the Tokyos. And uh, and then we've come down and played a couple of games here for um, for top league and that. And I've always sort of get out of the hotel and have a wander. And from what I've seen, it's it's gone. It's it's cool. So, 
And a lot of people have been texting me, you know, when I said I was here and they're just like, go and experience Hiroshima, you know, and I've had a couple of boys that have lived down here over time and they've given me a couple of little spots to to hit up, mainly food spots. I'm after more of the uh, more of the drinking spots, but we'll, um, we'll, I'm imagining that the uh, the boys in the team will grab me by my, my tail and drag me out to their sort of watering house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you wouldn't want to go there. You're too professional, but they'll force you to uh, as your sim play, so yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge advocate for, for drinking culture, so um, we'll just see if I can fit in or or create a, a culture within itself. But whenever I go out, it's always just one or two, and then I head home. So Nice, nice. Uh, very professional. But, um, yeah, I think it's all uh, <laughs> opening up. Uh, I saw something that was like nine cases in Tokyo. Don't know, you know how many they're testing per se but um it seems like it's getting better uh the state of emergency is over so um i think a few bars and stuff are opening up so yeah i think you've come uh back at a good time you know hopefully uh keeps getting better and uh you can get back to what japan does best like the hospitality and stuff over here is pretty you know amazing and especially after a few drinks everyone can speak english so uh yeah it's probably one of my favorite parts about japan eh? yeah definitely and i'm pretty fluent when i when i'm drinking in japanese or what i what I think I am when I wake up in the morning. I think I had some awesome convos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I always, uh, yeah, I think my Japanese gets a lot, you know, deeper. I'm, uh, I feel like I'm a lot smarter after a few beers, but if someone's videoing me, it's probably a slightly different story. Eh? <laughs> I need to clarify, uh, the, the language rule, the swearing and that because. I've almost sworn about nine oh, times. So uh, I just I've held it back. Yeah, no, uh, go hard. Um, we've uh, I think you're the first one who's actually asked. But yeah, if somebody swears, there's a little button I can push to say, you know, to get that E mark next to it. So uh, go hard. No, straight. I'll, I'll keep it zero anyway, mate. <laughs> Cheers for the kids. Um, sometimes I'm editing it and I'm like, oh crap, I can't remember if somebody swore or not. So I just put the E just in cases, you know. So. 100%. I've got a lot of good stories and a lot of, um, I could say a lot of things about a lot of people that are playing here in Japan, but well, um, well for whoever's listening and uh, we might just keep those stories for a later date because it could sell a lot of blokes short, but I'll... I'll um I'll be a good bloke this time. No, no, it's fine. It's only uh, me and my mum who listen, so I'm sure. Uh, yeah, she doesn't have a high opinion of you anyway, so it won't change much. Well, no, no, she probably <laughs> thinks I'm a bag of so and so, so it's all good. So, shout out to your old girl anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, if she's got a problem, tell her to come down to Hiroshima. We'll sort it out. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, she's your biggest fan. I just uh, I was jealous. I think she loves you slightly more than me. So, just trying to take you down with me. Well. It's- well, you, with that shirt you're wearing, I'd um, I'd love me too. <laughs> uh, go the Warriors. Um, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I was about to say cheer the Warriors. <laughs> um, I uh, normally on this, I you know go through the uh, amazing story, the path you've been on to uh, yeah lead up to where you are now. But uh, yeah, I don't know too much about. Like, like you can see, I was Warriors hard growing up, so I didn't watch too much rugby union growing up. I don't didn't know too much about rugby until I actually came over to Japan. Uh, so it's yeah, I'm quite interested to hear your story up to uh, yeah, I guess today. But because obviously you're from Aussie, uh, no, did you not have any uh, dreams of you know playing for the Mighty Warriors or anything? Uh, were you always into that union? Um, well, interestingly enough, um, I played all sports growing up. You know, one of four boys and. I just, uh, yeah, we, we played every sport and I was actually a swimmer. So um, I was, you know, swimming pretty competitively and had a bit of a goal of going to the Com Games and um, 
and stuff and was sort of on the track to do it. And to be honest, I just, <laughs> I was so over swimming, mm-hmm. you know, following the black line and, you know, I was only training maybe four or five times a week and, um, you know, people were saying, mate, you need to be doing, you know, the 12 to 13 sessions a week, you know, for swimming and that. And I was just like, nah. Um, I played footy, I played union and, and league and stuff um, growing up. I just, just loved it. But um, I didn't start actually playing union until I was 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, a mate of mine um, that I went to school with gave me a call and just said, mate, we've, we need a, you know, we need a player. And I actually started at fullback and went to the centres and, um, yeah, just was running hectic crash balls and, um, yeah, we were playing, uh, well, like we're from Redlands, which isn't the, the greatest area on the map. And then um, we were playing actually Logan, which is even a worse um, area on the map. And um, no, I shouldn't say that. They're both of the areas. But, uh, yeah, and then I, I played one game and, and just went went like super hard. And then, um, yeah, the coach was just like, who's one of my, you know, a family friend now and a and has been a big advocate for to where I am now. And he um, he just said, oh, do you want to, you know, can we can you play next week? And I just said, oh, yeah, sweet. And then played out the season and we ended up winning the little premiership thing. And um, then he said, oh, would you come back? And uh, and I just said, yeah, yeah. And he said, have you ever thought about playing footy? Um, and I just said, no, nah, look, I was a swimmer and, you know, I might go into doing a trade and, and stuff like that. And he just said, oh, mate, I, I think you're, you're not too bad. Um I think you need a better pathway on where you're at in regards to my schooling and stuff. So I went to a school called Iona College and then, um, yeah, he gave one of the biggest schools in Brisbane, Brisbane State High, where mm-hmm. Toops went. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Moore, um, you know, there's a, some good cavalry come out of the school, sort of, I don't know if you remember, Chris Sortier, you know, Matt Samoa. Um, there's been a lot of, you know, uh, big dogs, Samu Karevi, come through our school and, um, they weren't giving out scholarships for rugby because the team was full. So um, I actually got into school on a swimming scholarship. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah, and then went and didn't swim and just played <laughs> footy there. So I sort of ghosted them a little bit. But, um, and yeah, and then literally it just happened real fast. I, uh, you know, I played first at my other school in grade 10 and just loved, you know, didn't think anything of it. And then went to state high, played my first 15 season there and uh, got selected in the Queensland um, schoolboys team and another funny story and you know you've seen me firsthand sitting on the naughty chair either red card or yellow card um, the first game we played New South Wales and um, I did a horrific spear tackle um, you know like it was actually really bad and so I got red carded and uh, that was me done for the tournament um, First game, there was five games or or whatever, and then um, they sort of pulled me, you know, the Australian schoolboy selectors pulled me into a room after the game. I had to sort of, you know, put my white shirt on and my little Queensland tie and go in, and they just said, oh, look, you'll, we'll let you play the rest of the tournament, but you'll never play for the schoolboys. Like, we can't select you with what, um, you know, what you did and that. And I just said, yep, that's fair enough. And, um. <laughs> So played the rest of the tournament, played really well, and and uh, you know they picked the schoolboys team, and and I wasn't in it, and uh, and uh, but they had an Australia A team, and they said we've got a one-off game against Fiji and Sydney, so um, you know you can be a part of that, uh, you know, and I ended up captaining that team, and um, 
played, you know, played a really good game and then they ended up picking two of us to go on the schoolboys tour to Tonga, New Zealand, and they picked me. Um, you know, they sort of said, like, we feel, you know, we, we could have you in the, in the squad and, and they then went to Tonga and, you know, it was small world. Uh, Jose Salmaki was playing and uh, we went to one of the little islands, uh, Vavau, and, we, um, and he was playing in that Tongan team. Oh, wow. So um, worlds collided later on down the track. And, um, yeah, and then we went to New Zealand and um, I ended up getting a start in the uh, Australia-New Zealand schoolboys game and won the uh, the Golden Boot um, Award. So, uh, and we were the first team ever to win on New Zealand soil. So wow. pretty bittersweet there mm-hmm. and... Um, and then uh, I had a decision to make straight after footy. Um, I had uh, the Sydney Roosters and Manly Seagulls. Um, they both offered me two-year deals um, straight out of school. So the Seagulls were under 20s and then the top squad and and the same with the Roosters was under 20 and some uh, New South Wales Cup stuff. And then my second year was going to be in the top squad because um, I played league growing up and... Uh, yeah, that was a big decision. I was really keen. I was like, I think I want to go down the league path, you know, like loved rugby league. And, and my old man was, you know, we uh, we had a meeting with um, some of the greats down uh, when they played the Gold Coast Titans. Oh, yeah. uh, went and watched the game and they brought me into the change room and I had a meeting with the coaches and, and stuff and they were really keen. And my old man, you know, he likes rugby league and, and that and he was, uh, he was pumped. He's like, you know, fuck, you should do it, man. Like, you should do it. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I might. And then I uh, got a call from the the Reds Academy, and they just said, mate, you know, we know that the leagueies are after you and that, but we'd love you to um, be a part of our Reds system. We can't offer you really anything. Um, you know, you're going to need to work and and train and be a part of the Reds, and so we want you here. And yeah, it was a, we, I don't know. A lot of people say like, mate, like. Manly Seagulls, Sydney Roosters, or the Reds Academy, like, come on, you know, you're you're an idiot. For, and I don't know, there was just a, there was something in me that was like, no, nah, I, I really enjoy playing Union and, um, you know, and I, I want to give it a crack. So I sort of said, you know, thank you to to the league teams and and accepted my um my my deal. My deal was for twelve hundred bucks. Oh wow! For the year. So, you know, I, li- I didn't know what to do with all that money. Um, and, yeah, so I started working as a personal trainer and doing some other stuff on the side in a factory and that. And then um, and then I got uh, played, you know, did my Reds Academy and was playing club. And then the Aussie Sevens knocked on the door and, and said, you know, we uh, at that time, Sevens were sort of targeting younger guys. Sorry, to- I think uh, your thing might be calling. Boy, let's go. <laughs> Oh, this is the best. Moi, j'ai un gilet. Moi, je m'en Hey, bring my hair. Allez, deux aimants. Les aimants. Les aimants. Hey. Cool. Uh, it's going to be one of the greatest podcast <laughs> interviews you've ever done. Um, yeah. Just helping me out with my ordering. <laughs> Should I uh, keep that in? Uh, before we went on air, uh, what, you, you were supposed to have a mattress and a coffee machine by now in your apartment, but the coffee machine didn't arrive, so I got them to reorder it, uh, put my phone number down, and in you know, classic Japan fashion, they called right away. So, um, yeah. 
as a good Japanese lesson. I don't think I said you're a jurist, so it should be fine. <laughs> so what did he say? He, he's on the way? Yeah, he said, uh, so I couldn't put it for the time frame we're at now, but that time frame that I put in before, uh, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., is sweet as so he'll be around again then and if he can't find it he'll give me a call yes yeah, sweet as i'll uh, i'll go downstairs anyway so sweet, sweet righto sorry sorry bro thanks for that yeah yeah no no um you're the man lucky uh, yeah. That but, was, um, uh, yeah sorry yeah, so, so i jumped uh so sevens was a pathway uh for younger guys to get super rugby contracts pretty much and um yeah we had a pretty crazy team um, so got thrown in the, the deep end. So it was 18 or just 18, um, and, or 17 and did my travel. And the first trip was to buy, uh, to Dubai and then Wellington and got to go to Las Vegas. Um, you know, just had some awesome trips, but, you know, sort of in our, in our class, we had sort of, you know, like Liam Gill, Bernard Foley, Nick Phipps, um, you know, or Bracken Kuro Henry, who's obviously in Japan now was, was in our crew and. You know, we a lot of wallabies ended up coming out of our year, and um, but just such a good time, like boys just playing, and we we won a couple of tournaments. And but for me to be 17, 18, you know, traveling the world, it was it was pretty gangster. So, um, and then uh, yeah, I got called, got the call up for Aussie under 20s. Um, you know, so we didn't get to go to uh, London and the Edinburgh trip, and uh, we went to Argentina actually, and I did the the seven weeks there for Australian under twenties, and and we played uh, the final there, and um, yeah, got smoked. <laughs> um, like Matt, like literally got pumped, and uh, but again, their team was the, you know, the uh, Retalix, Stavis, um Yeah, they like. I'm pretty sure it was like ninety six percent of their team uh, all blacks now. So yeah. fair enough. But we had. Had a good laugh during the game and, you know, I got bumped by Savia again and uh, a couple of guys got stepped and we were, you know, having a crack up throughout the game on just about how, how shit everyone was. So, um, yeah, and then uh, at the end of that year, there was a couple of injuries for the Reds and uh, we played our last game um, at Suncorp against the Highlanders and, um, yeah, I had my potential debut and, Scott Higginbotham actually uh, broke his ankle in the first six minutes and I didn't think I was going to get on because we had another guy um, in the back row and got thrown straight in the mix. So 75 minutes on my debut and um, about 10 minutes in, uh, Jimmy Cowan and um, Van Humphreys had an altercation and I was third man in and there was an all-in brawl. So, um, yeah, that was my debut and... Izzy Dad, who I'm good mates with now uh, from Canon, he had the he had a kick to win the game from 50 and missed it, and I was getting stuck into him. So um, yeah, it's all small world stuff, and yeah. yeah. And then I had six years at the Reds, and you know won a title and played semi-finals and quarter-finals and 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 that. So sort of thing was maybe 48 games for the Reds, yeah. and uh, had a big injury uh, ACL just at training and. Um, yeah, and then I sort of was sort of summing up what, what the go was and, and the Reds uh, told me really late that they didn't want me. So um, I was, you know, a lot of teams were full and, and stuff in Australia. So I sort of was looking at going back to doing some work and just bought an apartment in uh, close to the city. So I didn't have money to pay my mortgage and that. And my manager rang me and said, mate, I've got a, um, a lifeline there's a team called the Sunwolves and he said, I don't have a clue 
what are some wolfies? And he said, but all I know is it's in Japan and Mark Hammett will be the head coach. Um, they're looking for players. And I just, you know, I just said, oh, yeah, let's go. And I got engaged uh, on Christmas Day. Oh, wow. um, and I got that call two days before and I packed up on that first week of January and went over and moved over to Tokyo by myself. Didn't know anyone. I'd only been here once for a holiday years before and and off I went and, uh, you know, lucky to play, you know, whatever it was. I think it was 48, 46 games or 47 games for the Sunwolves. So, yeah, so, you know, and I've, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Um just another interesting story, you know, a lot of people probably don't know how I got to Cannon, but, um, you know, I played that first year at the Sunwolves and then uh, I had an interest of playing top league. Yeah. But, um, you know, nothing sort of happened. Um, and I did an interview before I left saying that, you know, my intention was to play Super Rugby and hopefully pick up a top league team. And, and I went home and was doing a bit of labouring and, you know, stuff like that and was hoping that I'd, you know, get another deal with the Sunwolves the year after. And if, you know, but they said we can't start talking till later on, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and then they, uh, the GM from Canon called me and just said, um, did you want to play top league? And I just said, oh, yeah, mate, I'd love to. And, and he said, um, well, we don't have any spots for you this season, but um, would you be willing to fly over and train for a month? Mm-hmm. And I just said, "Yeah, sweet." Yeah. So I paid for my flight to go over, and um, one of the I, one of, I'd grown up playing with one of the boys, Timmy, oh, Timmy Bennett's yeah, um, yeah. from Sydney for schoolboys and stuff. And you know, we're we're really close mates now. And um, Timmy was playing. I actually saw him at the airport when he was picking up his partner when I did my first ever trip here on a holiday. He was at the airport, so oh, wow. it was. Again, small world stuff. So I had a yarn with him, and so he was there. And um, Derek Carpenter was at Suntory at the time, and they lived in the same building. And uh, I ran calves and just said, "Mate, I'm coming over. Like, can you do me a solid? Like, I got nowhere to stay. I'll have to book in a, a hotel for a month, and like, I don't have the <laughs> I don't have the cash for a month hotel and yeah. paying for my flights and that." And he was like, "Have you got a gig?" I was like, "No, no, I'm just I'm training." So I flew in and, you know, we I caught the train out uh, to Wakabadai where I used to live and walked up and him and his wife were there, Huriana, and they made me dinner and I rang Timmy and said, mate, I'm here and can I grab a lift to training? I don't know where it is. And he was like, yep, sweet. And I rocked up to training and met everyone and um, I sort of just had my boots and like I just had like a Nike tee and some footy shorts and stuff. I was sort of under the assumption, oh, they'll give me some gears to train in. And, yeah. and Yoji goes, mate, uh, you know, we've, um, like, have you got boots? I was like, yeah, yeah, I've got boots here. And he's just like, sweet. Um, we've got uh, weights now, so do some weights. And then we're out on the field. And mm-hmm. so I'm meeting all the boys and they're sort of just like, what are you doing here? Like, and I just said, oh, like, I'm not with the team. I'm just training. And they're like, oh, yeah, sweet. And... <laughs> We had this massive session and this was in the middle of summer and uh, a lot of contact and running and stuff like that. And that was for the sort of starting team. And um, and they walked off and then the number, the guys who obviously didn't play on the weekend, the number twos were finishing weights and coming out and the GM just said, oh, mate, um, can you train with these guys as well? Yeah. 
I was just sort of in my head, just like, oh, no way, like I'm cooked. <laughs> yeah. But in my head was going like, I guess this is what I've got to, I've got to do this, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, yeah, and then just did the two hours and like we were in the sand, there's a sand pit at the back doing full like, you know, 20 tackles each shoulder and pick and drive and all this and um, and I came, got a lift back with Timmy and Carps and I was just burnt and like smashed up and Carps was, I had to go. I was just like, <laughs> man, it was like they're bullying me, like yeah. literally like double sessions in the morning and the afternoon and he was like, oh, mate, got to do what you got to do to get a job and um, I trained for like four weeks like that mm-hmm. and like no kit, nothing like didn't get any gear, just was using my own kit, like went down the road and just bought like some cannabis, some Mizuno tees or whatever and just hustled hard and then I was done and he, they were just like, yep, thanks, thanks for training. It's good to see you train on that and I was like, appreciate it and jumped on a plane and, and flew home and then, you know, was organising my summer stuff and mm-hmm. um and then Cannon rang me and just said, mate, we, we want to do it. You know, you put in some really hard stuff. You I just didn't, you know, didn't bat an eyelid. At, you know, like the, the work we put you through and you, you just didn't say anything. You just went hard and, um, you know, we want to offer you sort of a two-year deal and, you know, we'll let you play super rugby and then you just come back to us straight away. And, and then, yeah, the rest is history and had six years at, you know, or five years at the Sunwolves and six years at Canada. Oh wow, man! That is, so, yeah, that is a. Um, I think you're the most efficient podcast uh, interview I've ever had. You just uh, got through all the. De- I didn't have to prompt. Yeah, you I was going to say, shit, fuck, sorry. Uh, um, you need to give me two minutes to actually get my breath back. <laughs> yeah. Well, as the boys always say, they're just like, mate, you can talk underwater, you never shut up. So. <laughs> You're the one on the end that I know you're uh, laying the, the questions out and doing your thing, but you need to just, mate, shut your mouth for a little bit. Let me talk. No, no, it's uh, perfect. But look, to be honest, I, yeah, I think I heard Leachy's one and, you know, he's an awkward guy on a good day. So, <laughs> like, surely I've got to be better than him and James Moore who, you know, when you call him on the phone, you know, usually you go, hello, when you pick up and there's silence and, you know, you wait. And Jimmy... <laughs> silence and then he'll about 10 20 seconds in he'll say hello hey mate how you going sorry i thought you weren't there and then there's silence again and jimmy you're there he said yes how are you mate i'm very good and that's probably the extent of the conversation so how you got an hour podcast out of either of those two that will do you know is one for the ages mate yeah yeah um i guess uh it was all the work from our Will Toops and stuff, he knows the senpais a lot better than me, so he knows uh, how to get the most out of them, you know? Well, at the same time, with Toops, you know, how did he get He's the, he's the angriest person I've ever met. <laughs> so now he can sit in one spot and tell stories and have a joke will be, again, beyond me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to uh, edit out all his, uh, all his cuss words. No, no. Um, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was good value. He They all lived in the same building, um, him, Joe Kamana and... Uh, Young Brody McCaskill is all uh, what living in Aussie, or originally apart from me. So yeah, I felt really outnumbered. But you would have uh, fit right in there, I think. Yeah, I would have. I probably look to be honest. I probably would have felt like the leader of the pack there. If we're going to be honest, um, you know, flew f- a full blood Aussie yeah, compared yeah. to the rest of them. <laughs> um, if I can say that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, there's uh, obviously a lot to unpack. You, I didn't know you were. Uh, 
yeah, only started playing at 15 though. That's crazy, man. Like, and uh, when you said you're only training four or five times a week uh, in the pool, I was like, geez, that's a, and that would be probably, you know, real early in the morning. That's, you know, all crazy stuff. I just pretty much had my, you know, my mouth was gaping the whole story. It was just, uh, yeah, you tell it really well. So there was nothing I had to add on. It was just, you know, perfect. Uh, what a no, storyteller. Pretty much that's, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's from start to finish. It's just how it all panned out. And there's some funny little stories along the way of different things. And so a couple of hard times there, you know, in the early days and then leaving the Reds and so forth. Um, some, you know, re- you know, realizing some, some different things and, um, you know, it sort of turned me into the person I am and, you know, being able to make decisions and, and just pretty much just enjoying my, my whole, you know, my whole trip really, because, um, I've always been an advocate for Ekene, you know, you, I think you were around when I had my big knee injury, mm-hmm. um, at the Sunwolves and stuff like that. And it took me, you know, two and a half years to get back. And during that time I thought, uh, yeah, no, nah, she's over. And I just have always made sure that, um, just enjoy it, live it up, you know, when guys are complaining and training's hard and stuff, you know, digging holes is hard and mm-hmm. trying to pay your mortgage off when you're, you know, both parents are working and you're scraping through, that's hard. So, um, yeah, for me, you know, you get your apartment paid for and flights and as my brothers say, you mate, you're chasing 15 blokes around uh, with a ball. It can't be that hard. <laughs> and he said, uh, you know, people in their own spare time out of work, all they want to do is get fit and feel healthy and you have to go and lift weights and do some running to be healthy. So if I've ever dropped the, oh, today was hard, I just get the, and you can bleep this out, shut the fuck up, mate. Like, <laughs> it can't be that hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your uh, support crew keep you grounded, eh? Uh, I wouldn't say grounded. They try to bury me under the ground majority <laughs> of the time so i know that's um yeah that's so true eh? like uh so many people are paying for gym memberships and you know uh they paying to play rugby on the weekend on their one day off or whatever and um yeah even me i just get to get out on the field every day run around with the boys watch them do their fitness and then you know sometimes have to join in on the uh defensive uh in the defensive line where we don't have enough numbers and i get smashed by guys like you know quirky so it's a fun times you know that's it mate but and then at the end of the after the game you'll have beers with the boys chew the fat and have a good time and and as you said that's why whenever i'm home in brisbane i go down and train at my uh my club at east's just like such a good culture there good club culture everyone gets on the gas after games and when the top team's playing, there's usually about, you know, five, 600 of the boys in this uh, pig pen area. They call it the, the den, the tiger bar area, and they just horrific chat to the other team and loose and uh, my family goes and what, like, it's the it's awesome. But seeing the boys pull up, you know, some are concreters, some work in the city and banking and guys are pulling up in suits or in their work clothes and they kick their boots off and chuck their footy boots on and, you know, they work from you know, six till four and then they drive straight to training and then train from five till seven. Like that's when you're like, man, they love it. And even here with the company boys, like with this new team, I'm here, I'm the first ever foreign signing. So, and trainings at seven till nine at at night. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like, it's, it's cool for me because I like, I appreciate what they're doing, you know, like um, I think, you know, at Canon there was a lot of pro players and stuff like that. And, I always respected the guys that were going to work, but these boys here are five days a week, you know, working. And then they, uh, I'm, 
out the front of my building. That's where the field is. Like I can see it. So last night I was just watching them from the balcony, like oh, wow. uh, have a run around and they just, man, you can hear them, eh, just cracking up and having a good time. And that's pretty much the reason, you know, we'll probably get into it, but the reason why I wanted to come here and, um, and have a crack mm-hmm. because um, it's not that I'm over uh, elite rugby. It's just like, you know, I'm, I'm just keen for a new experience and, level level myself out of it yeah yeah, nice um yeah i think uh we're the same at coke uh i think when i went there they had their first ever japanese pro um who was you know uh sevens international player and stuff and all that but everyone else was employees and yeah you could see them all working hard uh pretty much the foreign boys could play playstation till one in the morning because their training doesn't start till two or three or even four p.m so they can never sleep in when all the Japanese boys are up at five or six to go to work, eh? So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, and then when you look at the pay packet of, uh, the typical pro compared to the employees, a lot of the employees get paid worse than, you know, full time employees. If they want to, uh, play rugby for half their work day, then, uh, they, get, you know, gotta take a pay cut. So it's, uh, yeah, way different world to pro rugby, eh? That's exactly right. And then that's why, you know, but yeah, you see those guys enjoying themselves so much mm-hmm. and, and you sort of realise that, you know, as you said, like they've taken pay cuts and they work an extra hours and stuff, but all they want to do is play footy and we get to do it professionally and and all that. And yet that's why I sort of think like, no, I never, I'm, I don't complain. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when it comes to training or, hey, we want you to do extras, I'm just like, yeah, whatever you want, I'll do it. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, but you, uh, to go back on, you said you played uh like you went through the sevens and stuff, um, does that mean that you are classed as like an international capped player? Yeah, yeah. So I'm capped for Australia, and um, yeah. So obviously wanted to to begin my process, and I did begin my process through Canon and that to to get eligibility. But Australia Rugby had to sign off on it, and I had to play sevens mm-hmm. um, for Japan as well to counteract it. Sort of like what Colin Burke and Bracken, because Bracken Crew Henry obviously played in the Olympics and stuff, but um, he, you know, we played the same year at Aussie, so I had to go through the same pathway. But uh, there was a couple of complications where, because of the Sunwolves, I was in and out of the country for a certain amount of days yeah. and and that, and um, and then obviously with the pandemic, um, you know, my we had my daughter and my wife was pregnant, so they left and I got stuck here and just needed to get home and then we got sort of locked out obviously and I would have been over my days and then it sort of just went a bit quiet and I sort of found out um, that that chairman, the Argentinian guy for World Rugby came out and just said that um, you got to do, you know, you got to pretty much you know, jump so many hoops to get through it and mm-hmm. I might have had to start my five years again and yeah, I was yeah. sort of just like, you know, what's the point really mm-hmm. um, in trying to, you know, hang on and, and all that. And look, to be honest, it's not that it bit me a little bit, but, you know, being an international player, you know, with Cannon, they were after a second rower and that was sort of me leaving the club and, and so forth, but wanting to be kept. But it was just, you know, and, and a lot of guys here, that's the golden ticket to be just a local player and but also have super rugby and international experience you know that's the go but it just sort of didn't work out for me um you know and then I I left home and I hadn't organized anything I just wanted to get home I 
I uh, hadn't seen. So we had my son on the 1st of October yep. last year and I left on the 8th of October and came back and played the season at Cannon wow. and, um, and ended up getting back in July. Mm-hmm. So it was about nine and a half months I was away, 10 months away from my wife and the kids. And, um, yeah, it was hard. It was just hard. So when I got back way the world is, I sort of said, oh, look, I don't know if I'll go back because um, I just can't do that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not good for, not good for the the mental state, and not good for the kids and and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we, my wife runs a management consultancy back in Brisbane, and the business is going really well. So, I started, um, I started working my way through, you know, uh, wanting to do a bit of coaching and uh, wanting to be a part of her business and doing some stuff. So, I fully had my head wrapped around that. That was me. Yep. You know, a lot of people thought I retired and all that because of the way my rig looked and so forth. So, and look, and you were a part of it as well. So that was a big reason why I stayed and played that Summers game. Um, you know, they were the the reason that I first came here, and and my my whole thing was, you know, things happen for a reason. And that game against Japan, I thought, well, that'll be my last. Like, what a fitting exit to Japan um, to play for them. Um, at the end and yeah, I was just doing my thing at home and talking to my manager and he was like, mate, not a lot's coming up for you over there. And, and there was a little part of me that was like, fuck, surely I've done enough to get a gig, yeah, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I know I'm an international. I know there's a lot of guys trying to get there, but surely. And then I thought maybe I've done something bad or someone's talking some uh, shit about me somewhere and no one wants me and nothing came up. So that's when I was like, yep, sweet. I'll uh, head down, bum up here in Brisbane and, and then, um, yeah, the uh, Jugoku, the uh, the Regulions rang in and just said, hey, like, we want to be more professional and, and stuff. And uh, Kantoko there was like, you know, I've watched you play at the Sunwolves and then, you know, really like him as a player. And uh, would he, you know, would he ever consider coming here? Like they didn't even, it wasn't like a, they didn't talk like contract or like money or anything. They were just like, I don't, he probably wouldn't want to come here. And I rang the manager and I was like, yes, I'd love to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was a bit of like a, oh, okay, like, yeah, do you, you want to come here? And I just said, yeah, like, let's, um, you know, I've been part of the Sunwolves and Canon and building, you know, building the franchise of the Sunnies and, and stuff like that. Like, I'd love to help you guys try to become more professional and, and just go back to, you know, keep playing. Like I'm, I'm still good to keep playing. And off we went and organised the, the just an eight-month deal and I just said we'll see how we're going at the end of the year. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, yeah, because I think uh, there are a lot of people, especially uh, in that Summers week that we had, I think uh, we had a few interviews. You were um, obviously front and centre for that team and um, I was translating for you and I think every second, you know, answer was, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to, you know, if anyone needs another player uh, available, and I was like, man, surely uh, it'll be like the last time you said that that someone's going to pick you up straight away. Uh, and then, yeah, I was just as surprised as you were, I guess. Um, but and then I saw the news a week or so ago uh, about you hitting yeah. to Chugoku, and I was like, oh, that is a dream, a uh, great place to live, and uh, yeah, everything like that. But um, yeah, well, you obviously didn't, you obviously didn't translate that I needed a team. Um, well enough you probably just said man this guy's done here he's baked and they're just like oh, okay we'll leave it alone <laughs> yeah when you uh said uh someone said something bad about me that's what i was saying when i was translating for you 
hundred percent it was you. <laughs> You're a dog. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, to, I guess um, you know a lot of things that people struggle with when they first come over to Japan is you know the culture, the uh, language, and stuff. And uh, you came over here not with a uh, club originally. With you came to uh, the Sunwolves, a new team, and um, yeah, I guess it would have been a quite quite a unique uh, you know experience compared to most of the other people who first come to Japan. But how was your first impression of I guess living over here, playing over here, and um, yeah, how was all that for you? That off the field stuff. Yeah, it was good. I um, oh, look, and this is bad, but I forget his name. He, he played for the Wallabies in that. Um, he was the first ever player to play at a company here in Japan years ago, back in the seventies, maybe. I, I, and it's bad that I've forgotten his name. Um, my brother was actually working with him in the city, and uh, I signed for the Sunwolves. And my brother told him, and they were having coffee, and he just said, "Mate, tell them to come and chat to me." Um, and talk to me and I understood the culture and so forth and, you know, knew people that had gone there and we sat down and had a couple of beers in the city and, and he just said, mate, um, you know, told me about, you know, life in Japan and, and that, and, but he also, you know, flipped the coin and said the rugby's great, but he said, uh, you're dealing with the companies over there too, if you get a team and, and he said, it's quite unique. And he just said, if I had any advice, just like, you know, don't lose who you are, but he said, don't be an Aussie. Like you've got to um, adapt and you've got to, you've got to be able to let go a lot of things and um, do it their way. And he said, and if you dive into the culture uh, and get around the boys and, you know, have beers with the boys, go exploring, he said, you'll be there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was always going to do that, but it was good to hear it sort of reiterated. So I, yeah, I just touched down and, look, I didn't know anyone, not a single person at the Summers and I packed my bag and left and got on the plane and, yeah, met uh, Naoki, uh, who was the team manager at the time. Um, he's down in Fukuoka at the moment at one of the universities and he's a legend. We still talk and he picked me up and he uh, he called me. He said, are you Kaksan? I said, no, no, it's Quirk. And he said, yes, yeah, Kaksan. And I was like, yeah. Sweet, that's obviously my name yeah. here. And, um, yeah, and the bus pulled up and uh, he turns around and he goes, have you got money for a bus ticket? And I was just like, and I think I had an itchy man and I was like, oh, yep, sweet. And he's just like, oh, I can I like, borrow some money? The Sunwolves are sorting out the cards and that. So I paid for me and his ticket <laughs> and I'm sitting on the bus going to my apartment and I got there and, it was a tiny studio apartment mm-hmm. um, in Takanawadai near uh, Shinagawa. And, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I opened the door and he's like, how's this? I was like, yeah, it's great. And I shut the door and I had the little single bed and the one burner with the sink and oh, the yeah. toilet and a little balcony. And I was like, yeah, shit. <laughs> uh, you know, like, and I rang my missus. She's like, how is it? Have you got a nice apartment? And I said, yeah, here, I'll FaceTime you. And I just went around the room and she goes, oh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be good. And um, and I was like, nah, look, this is the best thing for me. Like, I'm just going to get at it. And uh, and off we went and, you know, met, you know, some awesome boys there in that first year, you know, Inagaki, Shodahori, mm-hmm. um, you know, Yutamura, you know, a lot of guys, uh, Aki Yamada, like, were all there and, and I just was – you know, didn't know any Japanese, but was trying my hardest. Um, 
to learn and, you know, asking them some phrases and every lunch I'd just sit down at the Japanese boys' table and, you know, but also there was a lot of great foreign boys there that I'm still good mates with and, yeah, yeah and I was just like, no, I'm going to go for it and just, you know, try tried to offload my super experience onto them to sort of, especially when we were traveling because mm-hmm. a lot of the boys had just done company rugby um, at, or Japan rugby and I just said we're going to be traveling to South Africa and Aussie and, you know, Argentina and all this kind of stuff and, um, you know, like you, we just need to enjoy it and, you know, have beers and get together. Like we've got so many cultures in the room. Yes, we'll... You know, we've got to be Japanese, but, you know, we've got to respect that there's South Africans and Aussies and Tongans and and Fijians and whoever, you know, like it's a, it's a bit of a UN. So I said, like, let's make it work and get to know each other and stuff. And, yeah, and it was to date the best team and the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Yeah, nice, man. Um, I think you summed it up pretty well. Eh? Like the Summers of all... Uh... Like uh, the short time I was here is always just about, you know, adapting and um, just embracing everyone's culture and uh, everyone just came from different places and everything. But once you get onto the field, I uh, played some pretty exciting rugby. So I uh, definitely love my time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was the first time for me traveling uh, to all these different places as well. So uh, yeah, definitely a great experience. No, it was, it was awesome. And look, majority of the foreign boys, um, you know, I was in the similar boat had either left franchises or just didn't have anything. So I think it was kind of a good recipe to, you know, like, you know, guys perform and, and, you know, give it all when there's like, when they're hanging on, just hanging on. So, you know, there was guys like Tim Bond who was, um, you know, doing stuff with the Chiefs, Liaki Molly who had finished up with the Blues and didn't have anything. So there was a lot of guys, um, who were not clutching at straws, but sort of just like, well, this is it. Like, I've I've got to make this work. Otherwise, that's it, you know. Um, That'll sort of probably be it for me. And and a lot of boys turned it into, like, real, really good long long stints, you know, like Liaki's still here, you know, Rian, Violin, like guys like that, you know, had just all turned it into something really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Riaki, Monsters in that Japan squad now, uh, the other side of the world. So, you know, uh, how is that? Like, yeah, all these guys who just come for a chance, they've really taken it and, um, yeah, making the most of it, eh? A hundred percent. And that's what I think I loved about it was, yeah, guy, a lot of guys left family and all that and just rocked up and were like, sweet, see how it goes, eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we, uh, that first, I think, um, it was either the year that I got there or from the year before the Sunwolves started being based in Chiba instead, um, in Ichihara. Uh, and, uh, there were a lot of jokes about, you know, how amazing Ichihara was. Uh, it was basically just a rugby field. I think there was a, um, golf range, you know, driving range and a McDonald's or something. That was about it. Uh, but yeah, um, how did you, I guess, like, and we we're pretty much in that hotel, living in a hotel for six months or something. But, uh, was that, is that similar to what you do, you know, in other franchises or is that real unique to the Japanese one? No, real unique. So obviously, you know, at the Reds or the Blues or the Force or, you know, um, Cheetahs, Lions, whatever, um, you know, you're, you're from the area. You're either, you know, renting a house or an apartment and, you know, you've got your car and, like, uh, yes, you do your travel throughout the season, but also you've got a string of, you know, your pre-seasons at home. You can, you train and, 
you get in your car, you drive, you can grab a feed with the boys, or you just go home and jump in your own bed, and and you're up the next day with the with the Sunwolves. You're you're on a bus or in a taxi, and you're at training, and you're home to a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Like that's what a lot of the boys, a lot of people don't get. them. oh, you must love it over there. It's great. And just just you're living out of a bag. You're you're never in one spot more than two weeks, and so you can't ever get comfortable. And and sometimes you just like you get over traveling, like checking in the hotels, the process, like wasted hours sitting there, you know, three hours before every flight. Like, you know, if you added up the hours that we spent waiting for flights, I reckon I've lost like two years of my life. So, <laughs> but again, it was just the boys that were there, the the cards that, you know, having a couple of beers in the lounge or whatever, like um, that's what made it worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was pretty intense and like, because you can't really get away from if, uh, you know, when you were the same people basically, you know, locked in a bus or a hotel room or something for six months straight. Um, and, yeah, with staff, I think every morning we woke up for a 7 a.m. Uh, staff meeting and then, you know, translating. There are a lot of foreigners and Japanese players, so just kind of translating until maybe like 9 at night or something and you basically uh, sleep and repeat. So it was definitely, you know, yeah. uh, quite hard to get away and there wasn't much, I guess, personal space or anything but well that's it when you're instead of jumping in the car and going home and all that you go to your hotel room and half the time people are banging on your door for a coffee or dinner and that and you know sometimes you just you've either had a day or you don't want to and you just hear blokes yelling through the door well i know you're in there (laughs) like where you gonna be i can hear like you're in a hotel room next to mine i saw you walk in i know you're in there so you know, a lot of a lot of honesty sort of had to happen. Like, you know, not nah, don't want to have you know this and that. So, as you said, you you really got to um, get on with everyone in there. And it was a a sink or swim sort of uh, scenario, really. Like for some guys, yeah, yeah. And yet again, it sort of brought some some boys out of their shell in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and especially Sam Wikes, he really <laughs> came out of his shell. Uh, well, yeah, he. Uh, I missed him twice. Eh? He was at Coke until. When I got there and then I think went to Panna and got in the top league 15 of the year or something and absolutely smashed it, went to uh, the Sunwolves and then left the Sunwolves before I got there as well. So I've uh, never met him, but I think he's uh, avoiding me. No, he's a, yeah, he's a good bloke. He's a, he's a legend. Got some great stories, but probably not for, <laughs> not for the listen, listeners. He is. He's a big fan of uh, looking at people's old fellas. So. Oh. Um, I'll uh, have to do like a podcast after Dark Vision or something, and we can have all the stories in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after, um, <laughs> yeah, after hours. <laughs> um, maybe put it behind a paid wall where you've got to prove you're over eighteen or something. You know, oh, man, that's a business idea. We should do it together. Hundred oh, percent. Trust me, mate. The amount of listeners we'd have if we uh, brought people on and you know told our greatest and best R-rated stories. Um, You'd have some content for a long time. Yeah, yeah. You'd also sink some. You'd, you'd also sink a few blokes. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, you know, uh, that's the business world. I think I don't know too much about the business world, but I know anything to get ahead, apparently. So yeah. <laughs> Sell your soul to get ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but sweet, I uh, I know you're a very busy man in isolation. You know, you've got your bed there. You've got maybe a chair. Um, when I first got into the call, I thought you had done that thing on Zoom where. You know, you just have the background white so no one can see your room, but I just realised you've got nothing in there. So, um, yeah. 100%. Literally, uh, mate, I rocked up and they um, they had a blow-up mattress for me <laughs> and a blanket 
and there was a and this is because I've spent my time in Japan. I said, look, I've ordered a bed, but it's coming on the second of um, November, and obviously it was arriving on the first. And they were like, don't worry, we'll organise you a blow-up mattress and stuff. So I was like, sweet. So I got in, and there was the blow-up mattress in the room, and um, and the blanket, mm-hmm. no pillow. But when I was on the plane on my second leg from Singapore down to Osaka, when we're just about to get off, I something just hit me in my head and was like, I bet you there's not there's not going to be a pillow there. Mm-hmm. And so I grabbed a little Singapore air pillow and just jammed it in my bag and got here, didn't have one. So oh. I um, had my little Singapore air pillow with my blanket on my blood mattress and it was about 10 past three. I woke up and my back was so <laughs> sore, but the bed had deflated. Oh, yeah, yeah. Through the night and it, like, so I had to get up and plug it in and repump it and that. And I was, again, you're going to have to do some beeping, but I was blowing up. <laughs> and then obviously my bed came and I've got my bed, that's it. I've got a fridge, shower and a bed and my projector's on the wall. That's oh, all nice. you need, simplicity at its best. One knife, one fork, one spoon. Yeah, yeah nice. Uh, and I did have a coffee machine coming, but um, not to be. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I think, especially for Kiwis, for Aussies, that uh, coffee machines make or break over. Uh, hopefully it arrives, uh, it's supposed to arrive in the next hour or so, I think, if I've done it right. So, um, yeah, you probably won't see it until you so. leave. And that's the, uh, mate, and you've probably been to Hiroshima a few times, so I'm, uh, I'm going to throw something out on, uh, on Instagram, um, you know, for the local people, whoever follow me out of all of my 86 followers or um, any of the boys that have been down here, you know, what's recommendations for, you know, restaurants, sites, uh, you know, clubs and bars and a few other little creature comforts. And, and you know, as well as I do, the, uh, the coffee and breakfast scene is very minimal. So um, if I could just, you know, because obviously training's at 7 o'clock at night, so yeah, yeah. I have the time to go to breakfast and to lunch and, and stuff like that. So if I can have a couple of little creature comfort places that are relatively close and and that, I'll, um, I'll be hitting up those spots. But at the moment, I don't know anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I can, uh, yeah, share that video on my uh, one so I can add about 13 uh, followers to your 80 and we can get about 100. So, you know, surely they'll have a few after that. And look, to be honest, I reckon 50 of them hate me, so it's all good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah i uh i think um because you've got all that time next time i've got a few days off i think i'm getting on the shinkansen straight down to hiroshima i'll just knock on your door i've got your address now and uh we'll be away laughing well apparently not even the uh the um the most intelligent delivery men can find this place yeah, so true. good luck to you to finding finding <laughs> it so mate i would say doors always open but this bed potentially could fit both of us in it, but maybe not. But I've got the blow-up mattress and the Singapore pillow, so that's that's all yours, mate, right, when nice, you're here. Nice. I think, um, yeah, I'm a, what, cheeky 68 kgs or 70 kgs, so surely it won't deflate as much. That's all right, mate. I'd prefer to have you in my bed anyway. Uh, like old times. Um. <laughs> <laughs> my cuddle buddy, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew there was a reason I was called into the Sunwolves. It wasn't for my translating. 100%. Uh, <laughs> but nice. Um, yeah, I... Uh, you know, I know, um, you know, you've, you could talk for a long time. You've got some great stories, but I kind of, uh, want to keep them, the listeners wanting more and maybe get you on another time for like a recap of how you're enjoying the Regulions. Uh, after you take them up to that second division in one year, the first time they'll be promoted in history or, you know, 
I well, it's the first time this league's ever been in existence, so I think it's quite easy to make history. But hundred percent, and then you'll be the first ever translator that's um, been contracted to the club. So mm. off we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a clause in my contract that I can follow Quirky wherever I go. So I uh, can't wait. <laughs> Um, but yeah, sorry, I keep uh, getting sidetracked by your jokes, but I thought I put up a thing on Instagram um, to ask if, if anyone's got any uh, questions for you. Obviously, uh, for Mr. Sunwolves himself, got quite a few, so uh, if you don't mind, I might uh, go through a few of them. Perfect. So sweet. Uh, so one we kind of answered was, uh, was there ever a chance for him to represent Japan? And you, uh, I guess, kind of touched on that, but... Um, I guess if you if things went the right way, if there wasn't COVID, if you were in the country for enough time, you would have been pretty keen to play. Yeah, well, um, I pretty much had said to um, you know had a meeting with the Japan Rugby Union and Jamie and and all that, and I um, you know and I said, look, let's let's do it. I want to be eligible, whether I'm part of the plan or or not. Um, you know, like that was my main focus was to continually play some Wolves and at Cannon and, and to get eligibility and, and try to re- represent uh, at the World Cup. And, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, just things didn't happen. You know, it had to be signed off for the ARU and that was a bit strange and slow and then some rulings changed with the international rugby and, and a few other things. So it's sort of oh, – I was extremely disappointed, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Um you know, because in a way I thought, you know, me, what the Sunwolves have done and, and you know, what I believe, you know, I tried to, to do to upskill Japan rugby and some ideas and, and the way that I went about my things. So I was sort of hoping that I was going to get an opportunity to to represent Japan and it would have meant a lot, but um, obviously not to be, but hasn't sort of stopped the quest to continue uh, the Japan rugby stuff. So... Yeah, um, I think you've uh, done a lot. Even that, yeah, that week uh, you were with us uh, with the Sunwolves uh, in the start of the year, or sorry, mid-year. Um, there was a lot of stuff. Uh, I think you drove a lot of the off-field stuff, and it was um, showed just you know you understand a lot of the Japanese culture and great leader on and off the field. The first stint I had with the Sunwolves, like you said, uh, you had the injury, so you weren't necessarily travelling with the team outside of Japan much. So it's kind of the first time I saw that. Uh, yeah, stuff on the field as well. And I think you'll be a good asset for Chugok. So can't wait to uh, see you smash it. Got, got to get picked first. <laughs> oh, uh, well, uh, you won't have a problem with, uh, you know, too many foreigners. It's just you've got to try and beat out. I think they got some pretty good um, loose forwards there. So it'll be interesting to see you uh, crack that team. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I said to I said to the Kantoko, I made a joke in a Zoom. I said, maybe how about fullback? And he, he didn't laugh. And um, he was like, okay, maybe I think about it. And I was like, no, it's just a back, mate. But come on, come down. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Not too good under the high ball, mate. Oh, um, can't wait. I think we uh, I put a few up for you uh, in warm-up for the summers, and you did fine. So I'm pretty sure no one can kick better than me. So you'll be sweet. No, no, you're, you're on a string, bud. You're on a string. <laughs> Uh, the next one we got is from your old manager at the Sunwolves. Uh, the hotel we used to stay at Ichihara in Chiba was the Goi Grand, but he said, um, ask him about his midnight visitor at Goi Grand. What's this one about? Well, you're probably hoping that it was R-rated, and so do I, but, you know, it's not to be. Um, so I actually had a house uh, in Ichihara uh, because we just had my uh, my daughter was born, and um, so she was still recovering at home, and 
and I drove out with my brother-in-law actually to Ichihara. He drove me out, or I drove out, and he was taking my car back, and and I got to the house, and it was um, yeah, I think shit's probably an understatement, and uh, it was terrible, and I was just like, okay, this isn't. And then I rang my my missus and just said, hey, like, you know, brand new baby um, out here like groceries is ages away, just stay at home, like not going to work. And um, so one of the boys, uh, Big G, Vanderheva, he um, he was staying at home because uh, he was at Kubota. And uh, so one night I was, we finished training and I just couldn't be bothered um, going home because I had to ride a bike. It was about 3K. So, and the last thing you want to do after, you know, getting smashed on the, field running and all that is ride a bike 3k in the morning and at home at night and so g gave me his uh tap key for his room yeah and um so i was like yeah sweet he's not using it and um so i went down and i was tapping and it didn't work so i went downstairs and as i do best lied my way through that i was g and that my key card didn't work and i sort of bullet was bullying the the little fella at the desk there for a little bit, you know, because he was like, oh, no, the room, blah, blah. And I was like, nah, it's my room. Give me my key and all that. So he kind of just did it. So I showered up and and uh, jumped into bed and and was dead asleep. And then um, it was about, it would have been quarter to three, maybe even closer to three o'clock. And, yeah. uh, and I just heard a noise and I opened my eyes. It was dark in the room and there was a, Japanese guy standing over my bed, yeah. um, just staring at me. And I was uh, in my undies, and I've just popped up and just been like, "Oi, what the, what the fuck? Like, get the out of my room! Like, who are you, mate? Like, going at him." And he's freaked out. He's put the lights on, and he was like, "My room, my room, my room!" And we're we're arguing. I was like, "Get out! This is my room. I'm in my undies." And he's freaking out. I was like, get out, mate. Like, and I've like sort of was walking towards him and he's backing out and he's in a suit with his little briefcase. And I was like, get out, mate. Like, what are you doing in here? And then I sort of shut the door and locked it and was just like, heart was racing. I was just like, what the fuck just happened? And the scariest thing was like, when I opened my eyes, he was like bending down to like, look at oh, me. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then someone from the hotels come up and been like, you need to pack your gear and like come downstairs. And I've, you know, so this is three o'clock in the morning. We've got training in the morning or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I've got my gear and they were like, are you, you know, G? And I was like, yes, I am. And they were like, oh, okay. Well, he, um, he checked. So I think he might have told one of the management that he was checking out. So they got rid of his room oh, so yeah. they didn't have to pay for it. So I bullied the front desk guy to just give me a room and old mate from who's come from obviously a late meeting or whatever, that's his room, and they've given him the key and we've just intercepted each other at three in the morning. So I'm in the foyer and they're like, we're going to call your manager, like let's try to work this out. And I was just like, yeah, give me a second. And I went out the back and jumped on my bike and rode back to my house in Ishihara. <laughs> just was like, no, nah, not dealing with that. Yeah, just yeah. went to bed and, and came in the morning and, yeah, James was just like, mate, what happened last night? Dan's like, and I was just like, yeah, my bad. I thought I was, I thought I was getting attacked. Oh well. Um, so that's the story. Yeah, I uh, definitely did not think that was where it was going to go when James sent that question to. I was like, oh, 
like family man i was like is this something i can ask but yeah it was a uh, fine yeah it's just, <laughs> it's just it's just gonna um it's just gonna undo him to his family but <laughs> yeah. look if the missus is gonna kick me out of having a, a young japanese man in the suit in my room at 3 3 a.m then you know <laughs> it's just me having some fun yeah, yeah. well uh, she's never uh, gotten angry when i've uh, spent a night there i eh? say so, um exactly right <laughs> She knows. She knows that I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, here's. Uh, oh, where have you had the best palmy of your life? Is that Blake Enova? It is. Yeah, oh, mate. <laughs> so I played with steak and chips. We call him um, Swampy uh, at the Reds and that. And then he's obviously he moved overseas and and played and uh, played for the Wallabies and the Brumbies. Mate, he's a legend. Me and him um, were on a quest to find the the best palmy in the world um, and obviously sort of native to to Australia. But, um, yeah, if anything pops up on Instagram or whatever, like he's the first name, he's like found it, palmy, you know, going to sort it out. So, um, yeah, still yet to find the best palmy actually. Oh, yeah, still ongoing. Yeah, yeah, ongoing. Um, it's kind of like, a, you know, I don't know if you can ever – it's a you know continuous process. There's always a bit of palmy. There is, there is. I'm with you. Yeah, nice. Uh, the first palmy I ever had was the first night I went to the Sunnies. Actually, um, Fuge and Ox uh, took me out and uh, got me drunk when I was uh, you know after what was it like thirty hours of travelling or something, and then I had to get on the plane the next morning to go to Singers. So my calves were pretty fat from all just the pressure and stuff. Eh? Or just from the palmy. Yeah, yeah, true. It just goes straight to my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> just down the cylinders and then they fill them up fill your ankles up oh yeah but it was pretty good um yeah it was definitely uh worth the hype 100 percent. but nice uh benny gunter uh your mate from uh yeah the sunnies uh said what was your best moment off the field oh it's a bit rough look to be honest i had um i had a lot actually um it's probably uh, a funny uh, two things that stick in my mind. Like, see, in the first year we had some awesome times out and some uh, really funny stuff happened, um, just trying to think back onto it all. And um, we went out, and I think you went out uh, in a similar fashion when uh, we played the Bulls in Singapore and had a win. And we went out with um, a few of the boys, you know, me, myself, Jimmy Moore, I think Leachie was there, Hayden Parker, uh, Millsy, Craig Miller, and um, Henkis, and we uh, we ended up doing this massive round trip to all these places in Singapore, and had a bit of a loose night. And Scott Hansen and Tony Brown were there, and and so forth. And we um, we ended up not being able to get a taxi or anything home, so we uh, we checked home from this uh, this area, and um, we we hit this monument, and um, oh, I forget someone <laughs> someone stood up on it, and. Scotty Hansen started spraying him, you know, the one yeah. of the boys, you know, get off the monument. It's a, it's a monument for the Anzacs. <laughs> and, um, you know, and so we're, we're all sitting down on this step at this massive concrete monument, you know, army guys and everything can, and that. And so Scotty said to us, he said, you know, let's pay our respects. And um, the sun was just about to come up. And, and so we're standing there looking at this uh, monument and, and that, and then we've all had to salute it and, and all that. And, you know, my grandparents fought in the war mm -hmm. and and then someone said to Scotty, is it an Anzac memorial? And and he said, I don't know, I was assuming so. And we went up and there was a lot of sort of Muslim Arabic writing on it. And, oh, yeah. uh, 
and we've all just sort of turned around and gone, okay, yep, sweet, and just sort of kept uh, kept trucking. Oh. And, um, yeah, actually Grant Hadding, surprisingly, jumped up on this thing to, uh, you know, cross the road and kicked his toe and ended up breaking it and had to play that next week and, and stuff but couldn't let anyone know, but now they know. Oh, yeah. Um, like there was obviously a few other things that happened throughout the night in the in the in the club uh, that we're at. Um, what I didn't know, I was solo on the dance floor going hard, and um, where the boys were sitting, uh, there was actually a massive um, plasma screen with all the security cameras, and mine seemed to be highlighted, and they were just watching me go to town in there for like half an hour. Um, we came back, and I just said, "Oh, boys, it's hissing in there," and they just like, "Yeah, we know." Um, so it's a couple of videos. Uh, the other story that's kind of funny but an off-field thing and bit of an experience was um, we did some pre-season here and we flew into Melbourne for pre-season uh, to play the Rebels and then go up to Singapore and, um, you know, you do your annual uh, health screen test and stuff and um, we're sitting at the airport and uh, Doc Sakane, one of, you know, Silver Fox, he's... Um, sensei one of the best blokes you know that's ever been with the sunnies and he's with them for a long time and you know he was one guy who always experienced where we were like i remember him just walking out of the hotel in johannesburg and often sat and had a restaurant like one of the most dangerous cities in the world and they were like do not go out and he's sending photos of him having a couple of coronas down the road with some local people and i was like matt you're a legend so um so we're at the Qantas club and uh he just said oh mate can i can i talk to you for five minutes and i was just like yeah sweet obviously wants to just you know we always chewed the fat with each other and you know had chats and stuff and he said so your ecg obviously with your your heart's come back have you got any um health history with heart disease in your family and i just said yeah great both grandparents my um grandfather's died before I was born to heart attacks and my dad's had three heart attacks, you know, he loves having darts and, and yeah. having a couple of beers and stuff. And he was like, oh, okay, so um, look, we've studied your thing and you've got, it's called a Bugatti disease. It's the biggest uh, killer in um, men under 30. It, uh, it's sort of an irregular heartbeat and um, can just stop straight away and, and you die. And then he goes, so, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll have a look at it when we get to Melbourne, have a good flight, and just walked <laughs> off. And I'm just like, doc, fucking hold on, come back. And he was like, no, well, well that's all i got to say to you. Like, you've got it. We've, you know, we've studied it and and this is it. And I was like, yeah, I was born with a small hole in my heart, you know, when I was younger, but it's all good and blah, blah, blah. And, and then Jimmy Moore and Raboni and that sat down like, you're good. I was like man, i got like a heart disease, like I could die. And they were just like, oh, that sucks. And <laughs> and I was like, cheers, boys. And so I rang mum and dad and was like, hey, so, you know, I've just had a chat with our doctor um, because of hereditary heart disease. This is what I've got. And my old man's been like, oh, fuck, it's my fault, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, they're panicking. And then I rang Maddie, my, my, my wife, and was just like, hey, you know, um, because we just had our daughter, obviously, and I just said, oh, hey, like, you know, I've got this heart disease and um, I'm going to get it checked out in Melbourne, you know. it's uh, And she's looked it up and, you know, you don't Google diseases mm. because it's first thing is death, death, death. And, um, 
yeah, she uh, she was like, don't get on the plane. Like, come home, back to Wakabad, I will sort this out. And I was like, no, I think I'm all right. And I ended up sitting next to Rooster Ranger oh, yep. on the plane and I was looking it up and he was like, Kaz, you okay? I was like, yeah, mate, I think I've got heart disease. And he was like, oh, that sucks. And, and he's like, do you want to have a beer? And I was just like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and I didn't sleep on that overnight flight to Melbourne because I was like, tight chested anyway from the news and was just like, fuck, what if it happens on here? And all the boys are like, bro, wake up. Mm -hmm. And um, so I got to Melbourne and, and we, you know, had two days off and uh, the mighty Hendrik Tui, um, king of the, uh, king of the pong, king of the ring, king of all things, um, knocked on my door and he's like, Bro, I know you got some strange news and that, but uh, let's go to breakfast and we'll um, we'll just chill out and chat. And and Hayden Parker uh, popped his head out the door and asked where we were going. And you know, sweet, I'll come with you guys. And and a few of the boys came. And so as Jimmy Moore said, I you know, no real because he obviously lived down in Melbourne with the storm and stuff. And he said, um, you know, well, I've got a good spot for Becky, and it was closed. And uh, the boys were like, sweet, we'll go back to the hotel. And I was like, yeah. And Hendy just said, oh, mate, come with me. We'll, we'll go grab someone else to eat. So it was about 10 o'clock in the morning. And we walked down the street, me, him and Hayden Parker. And we hooked left and we hit Mardi Gras. <laughs> was on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was just like, I'm in my element, you know. I'm, I'm with them. I'm with it all. Like, how good is this? And. So Hendy was like, let's go down and we'll sit and we'll have a couple of quiet ones, you know, and uh, I was just like, yeah, sweet. So, you know, Maddie's ringing me and she's like, how are you? Are you okay? And I was like, I'm at Mardi Gras, I'm on the gas. And she was just like, what are you doing? Like, you've just got one of like the worst news possible and you're smacking yourself back on, on the gas. And I was like, well, what else am I going to do? Like, yeah. she was like, maybe sort your heart out. <laughs> And um, I was like, yeah, sweet. So I had a couple and then um, so we got there at about 10 and then it was about 6 and we were just steaming, me. And we ended up meeting a, a couple of uh, older and younger gentlemen that were all partnered up together and we were getting their lay down of, um, you know, what they get up to and how they met and relationships and all this. And, um, yeah, we were just entrenched in Mardi Gras on the gas and I'd get home to a 2.30 in the morning um, and was just smashed and uh, had the next day off and was laying in bed and and Doc came in and, uh, you know, was talking me through the steps of like, um, you know, we'll go have a big heart scan and, and all that. And what didn't make it easier was I had sort of Jimmy Moore was my roommate and had Raboni in there and they were just taking the piss out of me being like, it's, it's what's it called, Bugatti? Have you got a Bugatti in your heart? And all this and they were tackling Doc on the bed and wrestling him and I was like, Wait, I um I need you guys to leave the room. Like this is a serious conversation. And so they're taking the piss out of me and they tell a story, you know, they reckon when I was on the gas, which never happened, they were apparently I was ringing the missus and I was telling them, Look after my kid and yeah. all like never happened, but they tell the story that I was like, Here you you know, you guys can like you need to look after Maddie and the kid, you know, my daughter and yeah. like just a G up. And um, so I rang my brother's mate. This is probably dragging on the story, but no, rang no, my no, brother's mate 
who was actually a doctor in Melbourne and um, he put me on to like one of the best heart specialists in uh, in Melbourne and and I went in and had my first scan and he said, yep, we've seen it, you know, like we've seen the irregular thing. And and meanwhile, he's talking, Doc's taking photos of the, the room. And I'm like, Doc, what are you doing? And he's just like, oh, I've never been to Melbourne Hospital. This is really cool. And I was like, mate, I need you here in like listening because I don't know what's going on. And, and I've just realised that you don't know what's going on because you're taking photos of plaques and medical equipment. And he's, he's like, it's all right. And, uh, you know, he's having a laugh. And so then um, I had to wait another hour and uh, come back. And, um, you know, and he said, look, with this disease, um, it's when, you know, young men die, it's when the heart rate's really heightened quite quickly with exercise. Mm. And I was like, well, that's exactly what I do for a living. And he was like, you know, you're going to have to maybe have a think about, um, you know, finishing footy and so I'm making calls and, all this kind of stuff. And then I went in for my massive one where they injected some stuff in me and went in and had this whole heart thing and then turned out that the, the ECG and the readings were off and, you know, it was just a, a once-off, a regular heartbeat that happens oh. to everyone. And so I had about five days of just like, I'm going to die. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, and then the boys, you know, I came back to training and I was like, boys, I'm not going to die. And everyone's <laughs> just like, yeah, good stuff. And then, um, we and then that was on the Thursday, so I hadn't trained. And then obviously we played Melbourne and um, in a trial or got stitched up in a trial. We because um, we rocked up, we played the one team and uh, we did. We played forty minutes against them and then another forty. And then they wanted half an hour of scenarios, mm. but they had three teams. Yeah. And then uh, and then we went from that scenario. So what's that? Eighty minutes, ninety. 100, about 110 minutes, and then we went and did live malls and lineouts for 40 minutes, oh. and I was cooked, like burnt and that, and then we went down to the, uh, the bar there and um, on the water, and, and yeah, we almost had a celebratory not not going to die drink, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and had a real good night there. So that's probably one of my off-the-field stories that was crack up, yeah. you know, being told about my heart ending up having like a massive bender at Mardi Gras, um, you know, then playing two days later and being on the gas again. Oh, so it was a bit of a bit of a whirlwind, but um was all good. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Uh that is loose, man. That is loose. Um I, long, uh, long winded story, but No, no. I was gonna push um today, Junior But I thought it was too good of a story. I didn't need to push it. Matt, you should have. Mate, you haven't used any buttons yet. I uh because my story's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um there's no need to. I uh I always feel um that's a button that's funny, but it always you know, it feels so bad when it you uh when it gets used on you, you know. It's like oh he doesn't Mate, want to listen to the story. No, just gotta just gotta back yourself. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I'll have to put it in somewhere every time. Uh, it's the first time I've put it in the podcast, so can't wait. It's gonna be on every one now. Hundred percent. As soon as soon as you should say you should use that button as soon as when you go, Hey, you know, can you introduce yourself? <laughs> just hit them with that. Oh man, next one um I'll hopefully get someone really big on next time. One of your mates probably and then I'll hit them with it. Say it's from Kirky. Yeah, 100%. Just stick the boot in. That's oh, sweet. I uh, just got one or two more. This one's from Tim Dafaere. And he said, uh, you guys went to an army camp, I guess, for a preseason. But he said, was it you or Wakesy that took that shit at the army camp? Interesting question. Um, 
and if you want any background on the story. So that was one of the worst camps I've ever done. And, uh, yeah, Sammy Wikes is not a big fan of um, army camps on a good day because he's done so many and he was, uh, you know, I'm not going to do what they tell me and, and all that. And um, we had one morning they woke us up at 3 a.m., middle of winter to go do push-ups out in the uh, on the tennis court yeah. and stuff. And um, they let off fireworks in our room and every, woke everyone up. And uh, Wikes, he was the first person up with all his army kit on out at the, the tennis court. So we were all sort of like, mate, I thought you hated army camp. And um, so there's – they had the uh, – there was no seated toilets there at the army barracks there. And, uh, and we, <laughs> there was the drop toilets and I can hundred percent swear on my kid's life. It wasn't me. Um, I, you know, I did my business there and, and actually had a, a different story. Um, you know, was laying a piece of cable and, um, and was hanging on to the bar where you flush just cause like my legs were cooked and I was like, what do you do? And, my feet slipped out and I ended up like falling in the toilet, like the drop part. And I ended up just sitting like with my ass on the porcelain, as you know, the seat of the uh, standing toilet. And I just had my legs straight and I just did my thing. And I was just like, oh, I'm probably just going to do this next time because it's so much easier. Yeah. But um, one of the, someone, someone, and I can drop a few names that who we think it might be. And like, to be honest, if it, if Timmy's asking the question, you know, usually, you know, if he's a suspect, you would ask the question, you know what I mean, to push the blame elsewhere. So that's that's for that's for another time, I guess, with him. Um, but there was this thing. It had a heartbeat pretty much. Like it was massive. And with the flush part going down the piping, someone had laid whatever, you know, animal this was and it had completely missed and it was just on, it was morphed into this pole, like had a big tail whip at the end on the ground. This thing was huge. And then um, they've obviously tried to like get rid of it really quickly and there was like hand claw marks of shit like going down into the toilet. And then obviously we've had to go quickly and they've just panicked, washed hands and left. So I'm assuming all the Japanese boys have used a drop toilet, like mm-hmm. a standing toilet before. So, you know, if you're an investigative man, you would pinpoint foreigners. Yeah. And as soon as we found the the shit, um, you know, fingers were going everywhere. <laughs> like, you know, someone's done this on purpose to get back at the army dudes, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, the blame just went to me straight away because they were just like, I bet it was you, you're a grub, like you're all this. And I was just like, boys, I had a similar experience about an hour ago where I've slipped and my rusty sheriff's badge has touched the porcelain down below and, like, it was a mess. I almost sat in my own feces. Um so, like, it wasn't me and then the fingers gone to the next biggest scrub in the room and that was Sam Wikes and um, and he's just, you know, denied to you die kind of thing. But yep. there was a couple of other suspects. Um, Grant Hadding was one of them and um, and Vimpy uh, Vanderwald. He, um, silent assassin, doesn't say anything, but he thought it was hilarious what happened and, like, couldn't get him to laugh on a good day and um, he was loving this. So we were just like, maybe it might be him and... Um, so they were the two, sus- they're my two suspects. And then 
I was just trying to think of someone who just would do it and not say anything, but I just couldn't put my finger on it, you know, like, um, but it, like, this thing was just insane. And the the quick action cleanup was the most horrific thing because you saw from start to finish how it all happened. So I don't know who it was, but look, if Timmy's asking the question, Timmy might be the culprit. Yep, the one who uh, smelt it, doubted it, as they say, hey. 100%. And Will too, Will Tupo could have been the oh. other one because as a joke, someone said, could be, was it YouTube's? And he, you know, as you know, he just, went attack mode, you know, like, uh, you know, why do you think it was me? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then I just dropped from across the other side of the room. Well, it probably was you because the way you've just carried on. And um, and he went on to, you know, well, like, let's think about timing. And he went really descriptive <laughs> with it. And I was just like, mate, it doesn't matter that much. We're just trying to find out who did it, you know. <laughs> so if I had to pinpoint probably my two culprits, it would be Grant Hanning and probably Toops. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I think uh, – I've always do a few toilet uh, problems at Coke as well, so must have been to, no, <laughs> just putting words in the mouth now. But um, <laughs> no, well, I might I might ring his missus and just say you guys got toilet problems at home, and then if we can link all three, the triangle's complete. Yeah, yeah. Tubes has just been saying, "Oh no, that's uh, just how Japanese toilets are." Um, you know, just playing it on them, but uh, it's weird. Whenever he goes on tour, it stops. Tubes is gonna kill him. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Dead bag. <laughs> um, nah, love you, Billy. But anyway. Uh, yeah, don't want to keep you too long again. I've said that about four times, but um, I... Uh, Maybe that needs to be one of your, like, reoccurring buttons that you've got, like, <laughs> yeah. don't keep you too long. Um, I uh, pretend I'm actually just moving my mouth and pushing the button, so you've uh, caught me in the act. Um, <laughs> 100%. Uh, anyway, I always ask before we go, uh, what is your favourite Japanese food? I can't go past a, um, a katsu curry, like, froth it, just, you know pork or, or you know chicken but i'm just um i'm a big spicy man so you know i do like a spicy curry but the the coach sagawa son the kantoko here at the regulines when he was driving me back from osaka airport we uh he asked me that question he said what what's your favorite food and i said mate i love a curry you know like i i'd probably want a week man mm-hmm. you know so if there's any good in the area and and the place we stopped halfway at about the three-hour mark had a curry and it was actually really gun and he was stoked. He's like, I got you, you know, your curry. And so I smashed it and, and loved it. So I've always done it. I'm a big fan of udon as well, oh, like yeah. udon and, and ramen. So I always love to sort of smash one when I can. But, yeah, the the, the curry for me is a um, a big one. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, well, I grew up always eating only Japanese curry. Um, that's all mum made at home. So I actually prefer it to... Uh, like Indian curries and stuff, but yeah, it's a yeah. go-to for me as yeah, well. Yeah, me too. Nice, yeah, nice. so that's probably my, my, my big tip. Yeah, nice. Great minds think alike, eh? Uh, 100%. But yeah, and then last... Great minds <laughs> um, And then lastly, uh, do you have a favourite Japanese word or phrase that you can uh, teach to the guys? <laughs> Man, I can't... Like, the boys give me give me guff all the time. can't even speak Japanese. Um, <laughs> look, it's probably going to be something bad. Literally... Oh shit! I, I don't even have like a a phrase or a, or a word. Like you know, it's probably one of the. I had some really good relationships with some of the Japanese boys at Canon, and um, yeah. And look, it's I probably can't say it on the podcast, it's but a, I'm probably yeah. No worries. I'm no going worries. to yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh one of the boys obviously taught me shine. You know, mm-hmm. like um 
and uh, one of my uh, good friends, uh, Kanta, uh, he's a prop there. Um, he's from Okinawa and he's uh, we, we did our rehab together at Canon and stuff and we were really close and, uh, you know, he used to come over for Maccas and when the boys were playing, I'd, I'd pick up Maccas on the way to his house and we'd watch games and, and stuff. So we got to, you know, we still talk now and good relationship, but I'd always drop that one on him, um, you know, in the morning. He'd, you know, come in and be all, you know, oh, because I must to me and I would just, that's the first thing I would say to him, which obviously translates to just like go die, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then he would, he would just start, um, you know, uh, and then sort of, is it nani uh, mitena? You know, stop looking at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was probably my uh, my go-to thing when the boys would just catch eyes with me. I'd just staunch them out and drop that one. Um, nice. Yeah, but I, you know, I think I'd just try to have as much fun as I could, and um, you know, hopefully left a bit of a mark. I know that's pretty some foul language, but if I had any, you know, and I'll learn some some stuff off these boys and yeah, yeah. See how we go. Yeah, you're nice. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, kind of obviously no one, most of the people who say shine aren't, it's not like too literal. It's something that sometimes uh, the senpais might say to the kohais a bit, the younger boys uh, is kind of like a, you know, introduction, like welcome to the team kind of thing. Um, but then, yeah, like nani miten no, yeah, what are you looking at? Or, um, yeah, doko miten no, where are you looking at? Like, uh, all those ones are classic ones that the senpais always use. So nice. Uh, I think you'll be one of the senpais at the uh, Chugoku Chu then. So I uh, can't wait to hear. No, well, I'm I'm sort of hoping I sort of hit bottom of the pile again. If COVID allows it, I'm looking forward to sort of like a team party or or something like that. And I'm, I'm assuming that if there is, I think they're going to um, probably be sending a couple of cold ones my way to just see what I'm like and, how I go and handle it all. So we'll, um, I'll have to, I probably should just get heaps of tins in here and just get my training going in here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the uh, biggest training. Eh? Like you got to be accepted by the boys and, uh, part of that's, you know, drinking heaps at the first Nomike. So, uh, yeah, Nomike drinking party, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure, um, that's, uh, something you're quite natural at that kind of training you love. Um, you love war training, but that's your favorite training I've heard. Uh, so yeah. I um I'm sure you'll be great at that. I'm a I'm a sucker for a cold one, and as the boys at Canon used to say, because I uh, had a couple of couple of rough ones. They we call, used to call it going for a haircut. Um, <clears throat> it's probably one more story to to end, even though I'm the yep. you know you're probably just like mate. The podcast was meant to go for forty minutes, and we're an hour and a half in. So mm-hmm. yeah, hour and fifty two, almost two in. And who's going to listen to two hours of me? No one. Um, my Maddie, my wife, she was uh, 41 weeks pregnant. So obviously 40 weeks is full term and, and you know, whenever baby's going to come. And uh, Tim Bennett's uh, rang me and he just said, mate, I'm going to head into uh, a multi-sando to go get a haircut. You know, you're keen. And, uh, you know, we used to go in and get a haircut and have a couple of beers and there on the day off for lunch and then cruise back home and, mm. I was like, yeah, sweet, man. I'll probably need one before Bob comes and 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 that. And Maddie was just like, you know, go enjoy your haircut. And she's just like, just whatever you do, don't go for one of your, your usual haircuts. And I was just like, no, no, definitely not. Like, I'm going to need to drive, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you if we're on. So I went in and Timmy and, and we had a haircut and um, and all that. And another story for you, you know, he showed the the haircut guy the, the photo we wanted, you know, almost old school, like here's the book, what do you want? Um, 
and he had a photo of Brad Pitt from Fury. But, you know, Timmy's Filipino, so I don't really know how it was going to work anyway. But um, so, and then we're walking down the road and there used to be that little hub down from Chichibu. Um, mm. I forget what it's called, that little open drinking area that's gone now. Um, the uh, commune. commune. Yeah, yeah. Commune, yeah. So we're walking past there to go to the station and he looks at me and just says, what do you reckon? We'll just have one of the big uh, green um, Kieran beers. Mm. I said, yeah, yeah, we'll hit him. We'll have one. And by the time we catch the train home, you know, I'll be all good. And and Adam, we're having one and two. And then one of our other good mates, Michael Bond, um, he was in the city with his family. He was like, I'll stop in and have a beer with you guys. And so we're having a, she, uh, his wife was having a wine and I'm having a beer and, and then Maddie's brothers ring me and said, mate, you're not back. Like, what are you doing? And I just said, oh, look, I'm, I'm just having a couple of beers, you know. Uh, it's all good. And they were like, oh, can we come in? <laughs> I was like, yeah, come in and we'll just have a few. We'll keep it pretty lighthearted because, you know, just in case anything happens and and that. And then, um, yeah, we I remember having, I think I had maybe like 15 of these beers and, and was gone and then we're in the pond and um, we're at Geronimo's and – got Maddie's younger brother to do the shot challenge there. You know, it's just, you know, it's 12 shots in, you know, in under an hour or something. And yeah. I was like, oh, I should do it too and and all that. And then it was about 3 a.m. in the morning and we're getting a taxi home and um, he he missed our, was missing our exit off the, uh, off the highway and Timmy Bennett's has yelled at him in Japanese, like, like it's this one. So he slammed his brakes on and, I was sitting on the, it was a sort of like a van. I was sitting facing uh, backwards and Timmy's come flying forward and headbutted me in the nose. Yeah. And my nose was just gushing blood. So I got a white um, and Maddie's younger brother had a, had his head hanging out the window. He's spewing down the cab and, and all this. So, um, yeah, Maddie's ringing me, ringing me, and I'm just like blocking the calls. And we got back and she was just literally standing at the door with her mum and, I'm carrying her younger brother and her other brother. He was he couldn't even speak and I was just smashed and I had blood all over my face and my beard all down my shirt and she was just like, what if the baby came right now? What would you do? And I was just like, but it hasn't come, so we're all good. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, yeah, so the old, um, yeah, and in the morning I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she's just like, you just let's just get the baby done. And I was just like, fair enough. So I, um, yeah, that's the like when the boys ring me and that, they're like, what do you reckon, maybe go for a haircut? And I'm just like, oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the, if you hear the haircut saying, it's usually directed at me mm-hmm. for getting on the gas and making bad decisions as always. Oh, nice, nice, man. How good. How good. Um, yeah, I think uh, I've never, like, before I start drinking, I'm like, man, you know, I don't even want to have a big night, but it's it's like a, what is it, old school Wolf Arrow. As soon as it touches your lips, it's like, um, I'm like, 100%. Uh, and then, you know, obviously your reasoning, you just start making excuses. You're like, well, you know, like when uh, you said Michael Bond came as well, you can't leave now, you know, he's just arrived. So uh, that's just Well, that's us. it. And then Maddie's brothers and I said, oh, like they've caught the train in. It's an hour into the city, like gonna have to you can't can't have one and turn around you know and so i, I i'm the king of um you know what time you're going to be home 6 30 like 
you know, I'm done anyway. Mm-hmm. And then at, you know, seven o'clock, I'll cop a message and, hey, how are you tracking? It's seven. Yeah, I've just run into so-and-so. I'm going to have one or two more, like 10. I'm just going to cap it at 10. You know, nothing good's going to happen from here on. And and then it's one and it's, um. so how's 10 looking? And I'm, you know, oh, it's, sorry about the 10 thing. I've, you know, we've changed venues. It's really good night at the moment and I've run into so-and-so and then it's, um. You know, the taxi will pull in at five o'clock and I'm just like, yeah, so I'm, I'm 10 hours late, apologies. And But Maddie's a legend. She's, um, yeah, she's all about it. She's, uh, she loves it. Yeah, nice, nice. She just goes, just, you, you might as well just tell me you're going to be home at four. I don't care. And I'm just like, no, no, it's all good. I'll be home at seven. So, yeah, when you said a bit of a six, shocker. you meant uh, six in the morning, eh? You were back by five. Yeah, I did, week. I did. We got the uh, we got the AM and PM mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, easy mistake. Yeah, I've had a few, uh, you know, telling off. So I guess you could say by I'm just real bad. Like you, like I just I'm a yes man for sure. You know, if someone's like, do you want to have another one? Well, don't want to be antisocial. I um, don't want to be that guy who misses something or you know makes everyone go home because it's time. So uh, yeah, it's a uh, a bad toxic trait i guess you could say of mine as well it is it is you, you've either got to be exceptional at just walking out i know a lot of guys that are really good at just Smoke you know coffee. having their beer and going that's my last and they turn around and you go oh, i'll get you another one and they just walk out <laughs> and you respect them for it because you're like i wish that was me yeah. exiting and then you turn around to the bar and go can i grab four more beers please <laughs> and you're just like i wish i was that exit guy yeah, yeah. or the smoke bomb guy but i just can't ever be that guy yeah yeah um yeah no for sure so i think uh, if i ever come down to Hiroshima, we'll find a few spots obviously covid uh allowing and um yeah we'll paint it red uh like chugoku denyoku well funny you say the red thing obviously i'm extremely red um myself but uh there was a, a guy who i met in tokyo a lovely guy um big rugby supporter and and i caught up with him for a coffee he messaged me on instagram he made me like uh you know like one of the um the debuting caps oh yep that people get for teams he made me one with um you know, the Sunwolves emblem on it and that, and then it was the, you know, it was the most capped Sunwolf mm-hmm. there was. And he messaged me, said, I, you know, I wanted to give you this, uh, this gift. So I gave him a signed jersey and, and stuff like that to say thank you. And, and he, uh, texted me the other day and he put, he goes, I put a tweet out if you don't mind. And he just said, every team you've been to has been red. True. true. So the Reds, the Sunwolves, Cannon and the Regulines. He, and he just said, it's obviously a, a trait that you look for, and I just said I didn't even re- realise that every team has been red, and I'm red. Wow, wow. Um, yeah, I think they, that's a criteria for the teams as well. Eh? So if the Coke team didn't disband, then that might have been your next stop as well. Um, well, I'm assuming that probably potentially could have been my, my next arrival area. So Yeah, um, I think I, the rumours I heard were, you know, they tried to sign you, but it was too big a fee, and it just kind of bankrupted the whole company. So, uh, yeah. Well, when they approached me, I just said, hey, don't worry about any money, you know, the love of the game, and they just said, you've got to lose your beard. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have a beard here, and I just said, thanks so much for the conversation, and, um, you know, no thank you. Oh, man, that is a big one. Um, obviously, I can't grow a beard to save myself, I think. Uh, recently, well, I turned 28 this week, and uh, I uh, now maybe... Um, one... is, it, is your birthday coming this week, or it's been? Uh, it was the first I'm so sorry I didn't know and you didn't let off. Yeah, I uh, I never uh, like to, uh, you know, share it um, 
I'd, uh, and I think you were probably a little bit in transit or something. It was right when you were arriving, I think. But, um, yeah, that hurt the most when Quirky didn't give me a message and a, you know, video with a kiss like he always does. 100% send you that nude video you're always after. Uh, but yeah, for the podcast, uh, that's my excuse anyway. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, um, can't you know i think now i'm 28 and finally i only have to shave maybe once every two weeks or something to get those little specks off my uh off my upper lip but i yeah coke it was like you know clean shaven or nothing so i thrived there yeah you literally you like you were so happy you just ran face first into the company and were just like have a go at me yeah yeah surely surely at mitsubishi they wouldn't really care would they ah no no uh they're pretty happy um but i uh yeah i think if i could grow a beard like you've got now then yeah for sure but after two weeks like people are like have you got like a bit of chocolate milk on your face or something you know so it's uh definitely- yeah yeah are you okay mate <laughs> you're just like thank you very much appreciate it <laughs> just uh getting out finally getting into puberty so hopefully i'll shoot up in size soon as well but maybe in 10 years time i'll be able to uh, rock a beard no, you're a, you're a staunch unit anyway, mate. It's your personality's staunch, don't worry. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be too intimidating, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> no, I think this is um one of the most uh, what do you say? What what do you say? Uh, how you say? Uh, I haven't laughed this much in a long time. I think you know. I had a week off last week, so didn't have anything to do. Um, didn't have any laughs. And now, uh, yeah, it's even brightened up the day, so I might have to make you a bi-weekly uh, member of the podcast. You can be the new co-host. And I'm keen because, like, one of the things I enjoy is attacking people verbally. So, you know, if we could ever link up, um, you know, over time and get a little three-way thing happening, I sort of would like to undo a few blokes that are out there and um, make a few guys sweat. Yeah, nice, nice. And then after the three-way, we can do something with the podcast. That's exactly. I was legitimately about to say <laughs> those exact words and just say so. After we did that three way thing and, and sweated, then we could get on with the uh, job at hand, and that's the uh, the podcast. I uh, yeah, I think I'm quite good at you know um, getting to the same level as the person I'm talking to. So when I was talking to someone like Mikey Little, uh, there were you know none of these jokes were coming out. Uh, he was there with his beautiful wife as well uh, during the interview, and I was very civil, but. As soon as someone starts saying a few jokes, they just come out of me. So I think I might have lost a few uh, listeners after this one, but um, hopefully gained three more. So uh, it's, it was worth it. Well, that's it. So like if it, if it jumps from one to three, then, you know, I've done my job. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think uh, it would definitely be uh, cool to get you on again, maybe get one of your mates on and uh, you can, you know, embarrass them in front of the world and it will just uh, help the Japan rugby weekly community grow. I think it's uh, slowly growing and heaps of uh, great guests on, but uh, not many can uh, chew the fat like you can. So thanks for coming on. Mate, thanks so much for having me. I, uh, as I said, I've always got time for you. And uh, yeah, and if we can uh, make this a regular occurrence, I'd, I'd love to be a part of it. And, you know, watch out Joe Rogan. Yeah, for here, sure. Here you go. Um, I think uh, we might be able to squeeze it into your schedule. Uh, I normally can only do between seven and nine at night, but I know that's the only time <laughs> yeah. you're busy. But yeah, yeah, hundred, yeah. Like I completely agree, but we only train Tuesday, Thursday, so <laughs> we've got the rest of the week. Um, there's going to be a lot of downtime for me. That's why, you know, it's going to be crucial for me to find at least a few good places here that I can uh, 
<clears throat> grow, you know, like, you know, I'm going to try to do an online course here with some business stuff, my coaching course and a few other little things just to, you know, I, I sort of, one of my goals was to get here and not just be a bum and, you know, exist and just do the footy thing. It's to sort of try to grow for life after footy and use the six months that I've got here with when I've got so much time because mm-hmm. um, I will have so obviously in quarantine now and I'm assessing the apartment, but once it's comfy and I've got time, that's when I'm, I'm going to be attacking the world. Yeah, nice, man. Well, if you ever need uh, someone to help out with the Japanese side of it, uh, if you ever decide to do anything businessy over here, uh, let me know, you know. Always got time for you as well. And, uh, damn, I was trying to get out of doing weekly podcasts with you by saying the 7 to 9 thing, but you got around it. So I think it's locked in. Yeah, I'd, I'd literally find any way to talk, so... But we can chew the fat with some different ideas and stuff. I'm thinking about getting into recovery equipment and calling it active recovery progression and do, um, and uh, yeah, do the recovery pumps and the massage guns and the training socks. So we'll see how that takes off. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I know nothing about that stuff. It's not like one of those companies uh, sponsors me or anything. So I'm happy to jump right onto you. And uh, yeah, it's a really original name as well. So nice. Exactly. Well, it's not patented or anything. So, like, it's it was an active recovery pro, but mine was the progression. You know, moving yeah, yeah. forward. So, we'll um, we'll go there. No, no. I had a chat to I had a chat to the big man last night and about the podcast and stuff like that. So, I just sort of I chuck him in there. Yeah, nice, man, nice. Um, yeah, he's been a. I think he was similar to you. He, uh, what you said about how much time you've got, uh, like at the club. I think Joe was quite similar at Mazda as well, and he used it well. He started up that company, and it's doing real well now. So I think uh, if there's yeah, anyone great. who you know still has a bit of time in their rugby career, and they've had an opportunity, you know, to play for one of those teams uh, that don't necessarily train every day, it's good. It will help the Japanese boys there as well, but it also gives you time to kind of you know, start sorting out your life after footy. So it's win-win, I reckon. So hope everyone yeah, exactly. follows your way. We'll get a little clothing company going. Oh, yeah. I uh, have my face on it. Exactly right. We'll just, oh, I'm just going to call it red. We'll see how it takes <laughs> off. Yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, they'll be the second, you can be the official um, apparel for the podcast. So you already have to sponsors. Yeah, yeah. Your hand out, never up. Uh, yeah, you know me too well. Um, I uh, as soon as you said I'm um, Joe Rogan, I was like, oh, I've got to get there. And the best way I can do that is uh, on the shoulders of all you famous players. Exactly right. Just just ask for little, uh, you know, little instalments of cash, and you can move from your your little office there into, you know, a huge enterprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, I think um, uh, who was it? I didn't actually read out one of the questions uh, that we got. It was from Mikey Little, and it was. He said this is going to be the best uh, interview or best podcast Doug's ever done, and I think it's definitely delivered. There's been everything. There's been your story. There's been chat about Japan, business ideas, and uh, the whole launch of my big enterprise, global enterprise. So uh, it's had everything. So I've said thanks about three times as well. Got to make another button, but uh, thanks again. No worries at all. It's always a pleasure, mate. We've got time for you. Nice. Cheers, man. And, um, yeah, I'll uh, get on the next train to Hiroshima to uh, – have a few misers with you. And I'll uh, I'll probably be up in Tokyo at some point and go visit the Wakabadai crew and I'll just jump on that Hajimoto Express, as we used to call it. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, as you said, have a couple of misers. Mate, you wouldn't believe it. Oh, there it on is. The, your on the nose. On the nose. Oh, man, I'm glad we kept it on. Oh, my, my.
Boy didn't even say anything. He's he's angry. Calm down, mate. He's angry. <laughs> but how good? Now I can have a coffee at seven o'clock at night. Nice. Uh, so just to show the efficiency of Japanese re-delivery, if you aren't home when uh, the thing comes, you can get two-hour slots and they'll basically bring it right on the hour. We said between six and eight, and it's 6.08 at the moment. So, uh, yeah, pretty much right on the money. How good? Japan to a T. How good? Yep. はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。は